Thank you, team, for leading us in worship. Uh, The classic hymn service will resume next Sunday at 9 a.m. I know I talked to somebody. They didn't get the memo. They didn't understand, so uh, sorry about that. We we tried to share that uh, several times, but obviously that didn't get out um, to everyone. But whenever we have communion, we're all going to come together and celebrate uh, together and, and have a combined service. And the other five weeks will be uh, up in the gym. So uh, resuming next Sunday at 9 a.m. And if you're a part of the classic hymn service, who can you uh, bring uh, along with you next Sunday with you that uh, would come and uh, fit in there? So again, we'll start that back up. Um, how many of you have ever had the experience of being usually in a big city um, where there were people who uh, were looking at you and asking you for money? You ever had you ever had that experience where where they're looking and they're saying, um, "Hey, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, you, right here, you, can you spare some change? Hey, J Lo, can you spare? I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, but see, that is the secret. You don't look in the eyes because if you look them in the eyes, uh, you're in you're in trouble. Um, I grew up near Chicago, going to Cubs baseball games and Chicago Bulls basketball games, and uh, around big crowds, dozens of people are uh, finding just the right spot. They want just the right location where lots of people will go by holding up signs, paper cups, sometimes in wheelchairs. Uh, Hey, can you spare some change? Can you spare some change? Um, We're in Acts 3 today, and what's interesting is, uh, really, things haven't changed that much. Uh, Way back in Acts chapter 3, they were doing the very same thing, they were going to where the crowds were, and they were asking, hey, hey, can you spare some change? Uh, maybe they had a different line uh, at that point, but uh, uh, they, they definitely were trying to get folks to help them in their need. Um, Peter and John, the apostles of Jesus, leaders of the brand-new church, uh, gifted with the power of the Holy Spirit, read about We're going to read about their encounter with a lame beggar. Um, We're going to read the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 3. But here's my question. Here's what I want you to be thinking about. Because this is the one that I always go to. Could this happen today? This is really where the lightning rod comes down, okay? This is where lots of controversy erupts. Could this this occur today? Um, Or was that just back then? And uh, we'll get to that in a little while. Let's stand together. Acts chapter 3. Let's uh, read verses 1 to 10. Uh, Daniel will put it up here on the wall for you. Um, This is God's word. Let's, as his church, declare it together. Here we go. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where it was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, But what I do have, I give you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for preserving this exciting and powerful event for us to read about, to, to learn from, to be challenged about. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. And uh, even reading that again today, I've read it 20 times this week. Lord, it's still exciting to read about your power at work. I want to pray right now for those who are lame here in your church at Walloon. We probably have some who uh, are lame in some significant way spiritually. We may have some who are lame in some emotional area. Some are not able to move financially. Some marriages here today are stuck and paralyzed. Uh, some have bodies that are broken and sick. I'm asking, Lord, that your power might be at work on all those who are paralyzed and can't move. And Lord, I'm asking that you'll work powerful and strong even today in your church. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and settle in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. And all the church at Walloon Lake set as one. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 2, Acts 3, verse 2. The man was born lame. Why is that significant? Um, it means he had never experienced standing or walking or running or jumping ever, ever in his life. Verse 22 of chapter 4, would you, if you got your Bibles, uh, just look real quick. Um, it explains that this man who was miraculously healed here was over 40 years old. So now you get a little more context here. The guy is 40-something, and his job was to beg for money, and he's been doing it for a long time. Um, I, I would guess, most commentators suggest, he'd been in this same spot for years, perhaps decades, begging for money. And everybody knew this guy, but they knew his name. And I won't speculate. I'm not going to give him a name. But they knew who he was, and every day, look at verse 2, it says, every day he was there. He was a regular fixture just outside the temple gates. And what's interesting is uh, he couldn't get there on his own, could he, Peter? Somebody, or I would argue several somebodies, perhaps his family, perhaps friends, carried this man to his spot. And you just talk about devotion. He was there every day, it says. So somehow, some people, and it says they carried him, 
At this time, that he needed to get there because he knew large crowds would come to the temple. This was the time to pray. Three o'clock, the afternoon prayer time. And uh, they would pass by. He wanted to be there. So several somebodies made that happen. Verse 3, look at it as we go on. Uh, when this lame man sees Peter and John, he goes to work. Remember, that's his job. His job is to work the crowd, and the best he can do, get them to help him out in his condition, because he didn't have the ability to work a normal job. This was the only way he was going to survive and make a living. There was no welfare. There was no any of the social programs that perhaps would be there for some people today. Uh, this was it. And uh, this is how he survived. Uh, Peter says back to the man, he, he, he said something, spare some change, alms for the poor, uh, something he hollered out. And what's interesting, look at what Peter says, uh, hey, look at us. Pay attention to us. Now that's reverse how it normally works. You know, if you're in a big city, Right, Jalo? You don't look, because if you look, now you're stuck, and now you're going to have to talk, and now you're going to have to make excuses or uh, reach into your pocket. Uh, but instead, Peter kind of reverses it. Verse 4, hey, you look at me. Look at us. Give me your attention. And it seems, verse 5, that the guy thought, hey, I I'm going to get a big score here. Maybe he'll give me a $5 bill or a 5 denarius coin or, or maybe a 10, you know? Something big is coming into the cup. This guy's actually making eye contact and talking to me. And then verse 6, Peter says some famous words. So famous, some of you know a little song about this, don't you? Yeah. Silver or gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Come on, sing it with me if you know it. In the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Okay, so that's pretty famous if they make songs about it, right? Uh, sorry, I got a cold. I shouldn't have sung today, but I did anyway. Uh, Denise, I'm sure, is like, I'm glad we're... I've been singing that song all week long. Yeah. He went running and leaping and... Anyway. Uh, it's true. He's as goofy as you thought. Uh, verse 7, Luke goes into medical mode, because you know Luke is a doctor, right? So the writer of Acts goes into medical mode, and now he talks in specifics about what happened. Um, and he explains, and, and those who know the Greek well say, these terms have never come up anywhere else in the Bible. They don't appear anywhere else. Very specific terms for ankles and heels and feet and sockets and coming together. So he wants everyone to understand this was amazing and it was miraculous and it was instantaneous and, and it was powerful. And, and he, as the, the medical guy, is there to affirm what happened. Okay, so uh, we, we get a doctor stepping up and testifying. Um, just remember this. The power for this event was coming from the resurrected Christ and his spirit, okay? Now, the hand that reached down and helped the guy up, that was Peter, 
That was Peter's hand, but the power that enabled this man to stand for the first time was the power of Jesus Christ. Um, And I don't believe that Peter reaching down and pulling the guy, I don't think this was unbelief by Peter or the guy. Uh, I think it was a gesture of love. Even though he was healed, I I don't think he fully understood, and Peter was going to help him understand what had just happened. Verse 8 this man who, ne- you got to let it soak in, okay? Who had never walked a step in his life, 40 something now, jumps to his feet and begins to walk. <laughs> and verse 8 says, and then he starts walking and jumping and praising God, okay? So he wasn't just going to walk, he's going to give his new abilities uh, a test run, if you will. And he's going to run, and he's going to jump, and he's going to go a little crazy, as the song says. And when the people saw who it was, running and jumping and being a little wild here, um, they realized, I think I know that face. I I think I recognize that guy. Uh, That's the guy that's been sitting there every day by the gate for 10, 20, maybe 30 years. And verse 9 is pretty cool. And the crowd gets excited, okay? Because finally, he's never walked. They they know something's wrong with those feet. He's never walked, and now they get excited and praise God. Because, verse 10, look at it, a familiar face, something powerful had happened. I'm sure they couldn't explain it. All they knew is this guy who every day was sitting there in a really bad way, suddenly now, he's walking. Won't this be one of those DVDs you're going to want to pull off the shelf in the library of heaven one day? I do. When we get there, I I hope that there's a library and you can pull off like some of these. You you can actually stick it in the DVD player and watch it. And, And I'd love to see this. You know, if it was on YouTube today, there'd be like 300 million views in a day or so. Uh, I'm just telling you, powerful, exciting stuff. So, why do you think Dr. Luke records this event? Why do you think Peter and John give attention to this particular man? There were likely, are you ready for this? There were likely dozens of people just like this man out and about asking for money, asking for change, alms for the poor. Um, Back then, a lot of things that today could be fixed medically couldn't be. So there were lots more people in this sort of a condition, okay? So let's just answer that question first. Uh, why, Why does Dr. Luke record it, and why specifically do you think Peter and John reach out to this specific man? Um... First, okay, first, if you're taking notes, uh, this miracle was a reminder to the Jews in the temple. Remember, they're just right outside the temple, and then they go walking into the temple. A reminder to the Jews, a sign to the Jews that Jesus Christ, who about six weeks ago you put on a cross and crucified, um, just want you to know the power of Jesus Christ is still alive and present today. 
I think that's exactly the message. Just want you to know, Jews, you thought you killed him, and that's pretty much Peter's message when he goes into it, but he's alive and active, and he's working powerfully through his church. He's working powerfully through his apostles, and you just need to know the power of Jesus is on the march. It's on the move. Verses 13 to 16, that's exactly what Peter says. Uh, second reason for this miracle was for the man himself. Right, Preston? The, the man was in need. And lots in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus encounters people and, and they're hurting, they're blind, they're deaf, they're... Uh, got leprosy, and over and over again, Jesus is reaching out with love and compassion and ministering to people who are in need. So basically, they were kind of following the pattern of Jesus. They walked by this guy at this time. We're going to help him out. We're going to do what we can. We're going to, we're going to minister to him as we're able. Uh, the third reason for healing this particular man is it seems that he was kind of the veteran as far as all the, uh, the beggars around the temple. Uh, in other words, track with me here, everybody would know this guy. Uh, everyone would be familiar with him because he wasn't just new at it. He'd been around there for a long time, easily recognized. And when they saw him walking and leaping, this would be a powerful message to thousands of people. Because they'd be coming to prayers often to the temple. And, and now we know this guy, and thousands of people would be impacted by this guy and, and the miraculous thing that happened up here. Uh, fourth reason why this healing occurs, it's to give confidence and boldness to Peter and John and the other apostles. This is all new, and, and I think it gave a whole lot of hope and a lot of confidence to the apostles and to the 3,000 plus in the brand new church. And if you slide down to chapter 4 and verse 4, look at it. It says that many more believed because of the message that Peter preached after this guy stood up and walked and jumped and praised God. Uh, matter of fact, it says the church now numbers more than 5,000 people. Okay? So the impact on the community was powerful, and lots of people accepted the message of Peter. In other words, they became followers of Jesus. The church grew bigger and stronger and bolder. Okay, we've got uh, 15 minutes now for the final question. Are you ready? Uh, can the risen Christ and his spirit still do this kind of miracle today? 2013. Some of you saying, good. Now we're to the good stuff, finally, okay? Uh, should we be looking for and expecting miracles like this one today? Okay? Peter's got his notes out. He's taking notes right now. Uh, let, let me say first, there are three major categories of sickness, okay? Um, and uh, that's important for you to process here. There are those who are spiritually sick, um, those who are unchurched, unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in the gospels, my reason for coming to earth, track with me, Jesus' purpose for taking on human form was to seek and to save. Anybody know the rest? 
the, the lost. Okay? So the reason Jesus came to earth was to save the spiritually dead and dying. That's why he came to earth. Now, can Jesus bring healing to a lost soul that's headed for a Christless eternity, Preston? And the answer is you better believe it, right? you got a fresh story. Uh, we, most of us here today, you got a testimony how Jesus came into your life and changed your, your direction and he healed you of your greatest problem, gave you a solution, his shed blood for your sin problem, and he brought light into your darkness. How many of you got a testimony like that, okay? So the answer is yeah. He, he, he can and he does bring healing to spiritual sickness. I would argue, track with me now, okay? Listen to my words. It was never Jesus' intention to come to earth as much to empty hospital beds as it is to empty the gates of hell and lead as many as possible into an eternal relationship with himself. That was his major purpose. You tracking? Jesus' major purpose when he came and walked on earth was to reach out to those who were spiritually sick. Because if you go to John 5.3, you can look at it later, but there's this pool and it says a great number of people are laying there and they're sick and they're lame and they got all these physical ailments and Jesus squeezes through the crowd and he finds one guy on a mat and he heals that guy and the rest of them, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> now think with me just for a second. The, the point here is this. Could Jesus have healed all those guys? Yeah, but that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to deal with that man, and there was a spiritual, and that man was ready to respond, and that man needed to get off his mat. Okay? Again, the purpose of Jesus coming to earth is to empty hell of as many sinners as possible. And by God's grace, that includes many of us. And now it's our job to be his spokesman so that we can be his ministers of miraculous healing spiritually. That's, that's the key, and it was the key in the life of Jesus. Second category of sickness, I'm going to call emotionally sick. Uh, those who are bitter, those who are angry, those who are guilty, those who are discouraged, those who are overwhelmed with entangling and besetting sins, Hebrews 12.1, can Jesus bring healing and give victory over those paralyzed with emotional sickness? And your answer is? <laughs> Again, Jerry, of course. Many of us, you, you could stand up right now and tell your story, you know. I was struggling here, and through his word and his church and his spirit, the Lord brought wisdom and victory and healing to my life. I would hope most of us could share some way that Jesus has come and, and helped us overcome besetting and entangling and old pet sins of ours. Okay? Now, the third type of sickness is where the controversy begins. Um, is physical healing for today. Can Jesus in 2013 still bring healing to lives that are sick physically? Here's how I'm going to answer that question. First, first thought. Our human bodies experience miracles daily. 
Your body right now is doing miraculous stuff hourly. Minute, matter of fact, if the Lord wasn't doing miraculous stuff in your body right now, we'd all be dead. You understand that, right? The fact that you're alive, that's a miracle. The cleansing miracle of the blood. I, I could, and I don't have time. I could talk about your kidneys constantly at work, cleansing our bodies. We take that for granted, don't we, Greg, until they stop working. And then suddenly you say, you know what, that was a miracle. And now that it's not working like it should, suddenly I realize uh, how powerful this body that God gave. Think about your eyes. Think about the greatest, most expensive cameras you can buy don't come anywhere near the capability of your eyes. Um, my point, are you ready? The normal health that we take for granted is a miracle of God. Our hearing can distinguish 300,000 tones. Our sense of smell can recognize 10,000 different odors. Our hearts pump 220 gallons of blood every hour. 220 gallons of your blood pumping every hour. You know what Psalm 139 says? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You and I are walking, talking miracles created by God Almighty. Okay, so uh, does our God do miracles today? What's your answer? Well, if you can say yes, that itself is a miracle. Did you know that? Uh, the fact that your brain could process and answer that question and then speak, that's a miracle of God in and of itself. Jesus is the author and giver of life. He's the great physician. Um, surgeons cut, doctors diagnose and prescribe. You ready? but only Jesus brings healing. Okay, uh, so if, if you got this, this uh, body that responds to surgery and responds to medication, who gets glory for that? Uh, Jesus should. He's the great physician. Uh, who gave the smart doctors their smarts? Who gave the smart doctors their talents and their abilities? And the answer, Jesus. So if you just think about it a little bit, he should get the honor and the glory for all of that. But we sometimes forget. So really, the narrow question that's left is this, okay? Um, when normal physical health fails, when the medical community has given their best shot and they got no answers, can Jesus still heal miraculously today, 2013? I'm going to give you five thoughts as we close. Okay, here we go. First point is this. Um, Jesus Christ walked on planet earth for three years in his public ministry, 33, but three years publicly he was the Messiah. And listen close, he did not heal every sick person. We have recorded a few dozen, but he didn't heal everybody because that's not why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. And it's easy to get off track and be thinking only about emptying out hospitals when we should be thinking about emptying out those headed for a Christless eternity. That's the purpose of Jesus. That should be our purpose. Second point. Hebrews 13.8 tells us something about Jesus. You can look it up. It says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here's what you need to know. The attributes, the capabilities, the power of Jesus Christ 
It's the same as it was in the Old Testament. It's the same as it was in the Gospels. The power, the capabilities, the attributes of Jesus, the same in the book of Acts. Now you ready for this one? And it's the same power and capabilities and attributes today. The power of Jesus, his, his ability has not changed. He's the same today, 2013. And aren't you glad about that? I am. <laughs> uh, third point. The miracles that are done in the book of Acts are accomplished by the apostles and their associates. Okay? You could just, as we're going on, see if that's true. But it's all the miracles in the book of Acts are either done by the apostles or those who are in association and working with the apostles. And they are the ones who were hand-selected by King Jesus and witnessed his resurrection from the dead and personally were chosen to be the leaders of the early church. Okay? Here, here's my point. Are you ready? There are no apostles today. And if anybody says, I'm an apostle, I said, oh, really? Um, and you were here when Christ walked on earth. And, and, and Jesus hand-selected you to be one of the twelve? And you witnessed him in his resurrection form, and you touched him, and you talked with him, and he said, you're one of my 12? And if they can't say yes to that, um, are you ready? They're not an apostle. Apostles were hand-chosen, the 12, by Jesus Christ. And the miracles authenticated their message. That was the purpose here. Everyone needed to know these guys have the power of Christ on them powerful stuff. But there are no apostles today. Fourth point, turn with me to James 5 quickly, okay? James chapter 5. Hebrews, James. Then first and second Peter's on the other side. I'm saying it for myself mostly. Uh, verse 13, it, it says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any one of you, what's the next word? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Then the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you might be healed. Okay? Um, we believe this here at Walloon. We practice this here at Walloon. If you were to go into the prayer chapel after this service and you'd said, can you put this to practice on me right now? I, I'm sick in this way or I'm sick in, in this area of my life. That's exactly what we do. And, and, and frankly, are you ready? I've seen God do miraculous stuff. He does honor his word. And we do practice this. And he is capable of healing. Now I want to show you the other side of this. Turn quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, would you? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Find verse 7. I love that sound. Mm -hmm. um, Paul writes, Because of these surpassingly great revelations... Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times Paul pleaded with the Lord, take it away. But the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Ready? Summary statement. For when we're weak, then we're... So, here's the other side. Sickness has knocked at our door a thorn in our flesh, uh, something is not good, I'm not liking this, and we pray and we ask and we plead, Lord, take this away, um, sometimes the Lord works miraculously, and He powerfully works. But the truth is, sometimes He says no. No, I'm, I'm not going to do what you're asking. Instead, I'm actually going to do something that's greater and actually more powerful, and I'm going to let you remain sick. I'm going to let you remain in a bad situation, but my power is going to bubble up through you even while you go through this situation. So sometimes the Lord says yes, and the truth is sometimes the Lord says no. I got another plan. And the Lord's plan is not always to bring healing. Example one, Johnny Erickson Tata. And she talks pretty openly about this. And she said, early on, I used to pray, Lord, Lord, uh, do something. Get me out of this wheelchair. I hate being paralyzed from the neck down. And now she's come to the point, now she's uh, been in that wheelchair for decades. And now she says, you know what, Lord? I realize that I'm able to be more influential and touch more lives in this wheelchair than I ever could have if you'd have touched me and I could stand up and walk. It's powerful. Example number two, and I apologize in advance, Nancy, but you're my example number two. Um, you've been in that wheelchair a long time, haven't you? And I've heard Nancy say similar things. Now, now, let's just ask the honest question. Could Jesus bring healing to Nancy's bones? And what's your answer? Could he do that? Is he powerful enough? But he also might say, which I believe is what he's shown, or I might just shine really powerful even while you're sitting in that wheelchair. And you'll have opportunities to, to speak up for me and to touch lives like you never could if I brought healing to your bones. Sometimes the Lord says yes, and honestly, sometimes the Lord says, nope, I got another plan. We serve a loving Savior, powerful enough to heal any of us of our sickness as He sees fit, and that's the key, as He sees fit, or loving enough to give us the grace and the mercy to walk us through whatever trial, whatever trouble, whatever sickness we face. That's the God of the New Testament. And that's the Jesus we serve. He's awesome. And whatever he says, whether he says yes or no, no, I got another plan. Here we are, Lord. Use us. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Just want to remind you, every Sunday the prayer chapel is open. And 
we do believe James 5 is alive and should be applied today. So if you have sickness in your life, spiritually, emotionally, maritally, financially, you name it, and you'd like the leaders of the church to gather around you, anoint you with oil as James 5 instructs, um, you're welcome every Sunday to make your way to the prayer chapel. And if you want to be anointed, we'll gather some of the leaders, the elders of the church, and we'll do just that. But the greatest sickness on planet Earth is those that are spiritually sick and paralyzed. Jesus came to earth to seek and to save the lost spiritually. And I don't want to leave today without asking, could that be you? Anyone say as we close, I need Jesus Christ alive and active and living in me. I need spiritual healing in my life. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's what I need right now. Anybody just lift up your hand and say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor Jeff. Yeah. Need spiritual healing. Yeah. Anybody else? Now, here's the cool thing. Right where you're seated, you can respond to the greatest offer that's ever been offered to anybody. And that's the offer that Jesus gives each of us to become one of his kids. And it starts with facts. Here's the fact. Jesus Christ took on human form to take care of our sin problem. He came to earth. He took on a human body. He lived that sinless life. He took your place on the cross. And right now, you just say, Jesus, I believe you. You took my place on the cross. By faith, Jesus, I believe you shed my blood, your blood for my greatest problem, and that's that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you took my place in the tomb. And Jesus, I believe that early on Sunday morning, you literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead for me. And by faith, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. If you made that decision today, would you tell somebody? I'm at the middle door. I'd love to have you tell me, hey, I made that decision. We'll get you connected. We'll get you on the road to getting discipled. But tell somebody today if you made that decision today. And as the ushers make their way down front, we want to say thank you, Lord, for this opportunity as a family now to give generously to those who are in need. May these gifts bring hope and healing and joy to those who need a touch of your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray.